so the camera gives you a reason to ask questions that you would never have the guts to ask otherwise. Welcome to the Flick Lab. I'm Kari, a Finnish person currently living in the Philippines, studied audiovisual communication, currently working in IT. My co-host is Henrik, jack of all trades, a master of arts, someday, soon, anyway. <laughs> and our guest, most importantly, is Niklas Giberi Iverson. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. And that's, uh, wow, that's one of the most accurate uh, pronunciations of my name uh, in English <laughs> ever. Uh, thank you very much. Well, thank you for the compliment. So it's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, we met almost exactly 10 years ago, hmm. 2013, around November-ish, as far as memory serves, in Gibraltar or Gibraltar. Hmm. So uh, that was a pretty exceptional trip. For myself, and I understand for you, it was also quite the adventure. Care to tell us a little bit about that? Yes, for sure. I um, I left Sweden as a uh, when I was nineteen, um, and I hitchhiked all the way uh, across, like down through Sweden, through Europe, down to Gibraltar, and then there I found a boat, and uh, I sailed with that boat across the Atlantic. Uh, to the Caribbean where my father was living and and uh, I guess this is a segue to my my father and and uh, our relationship maybe uh, in regards of this podcast right right so you've been in the Caribbean a couple of times or this was the time when you went there no this was uh, this was the second time I was there I right. uh, I moved um, my father moved there when I was seven or 16 17 mm. and then I I went with him for half a year um, so I lived there for half a year and then I went back finished high school and then went back again and I've been back once after that no twice sorry twice after that um, so obviously it had a, a big impact on me and also since my father was living there right so who is Nicholas Giver Ivarsson can you tell us a um, little biography <laughs> well, uh, I, I've already started a little bit. No, right now I'm a a budding filmmaker. I would say I um, this year I debuted with my first uh, documentary film. Maybe it's a feature. Maybe it's not. It's one hour and one minute, so it falls right on the like on the line between feature and and um, short length. And the documentary film is about my relationship to my father and um, and alcohol and alcoholism and mental health issues. But before I made this film, I worked as a journalist. Hmm. I, uh, when I was living in the Caribbean, I worked as a deckhand. So I've been sailing and I also worked as a sailmaker for a couple of years. So I've been jumping back and forth, but basically I'm from the start. I'm from Gothenburg and today I am 29 years old, uh, living in Malmö in the south of Sweden. Right. Is so, that enough? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So studied psychology and then the, you jumped into 
journalism via some hoop there? Uh, actually, it was the other way around. I, I became a journalist and then I stopped that and started studying uh, psychology. And then as I was studying psychology, I was also making this film. Mm. Uh, and as things went along, I realized more and more that this that, that filmmaking is really what mm. I enjoy the most. Uh, and I felt like I also that I had something to tell. And, and so after that, I actually the last year I studied filmmaking in a small school in Denmark. Mm. while finishing this this documentary all right and you've been working for the likes of b4 and svt uh no not really it depends i mean i'm a freelance i worked mm. with a with a production company called we have a plan uh on this uh on my debut film and our co-producers were svt so it's swedish television uh so mm. basically they they paid a lot of money to make this film Or a lot. That's all, a little. It could also be. It depends on what your your idea of of uh, how expensive a film should be is. And so to jump into the film that we're discussing today, uh, mm. what is this documentary? Your first film, I understand. What is Yevla Papa? In short, Yevla Papa is a uh, very much a fly on the wall documentary about a young man trying to come to terms with his father's drinking and his own mental health issue this depression and also alcoholism borderline and to do this he goes to his father's place uh, to build a camper van uh, and he tries to get his father to help him build this camper van as a way of trying to figure out really who they are towards each other and what he should do with his life uh, i think and it's a little weird now i'm talking in third person because i am obviously <laughs> yeah. that that young man and the father is my father and the film uh, it took place four years ago during the summer of 2019 uh, where i just basically started filming everything that was happening And then it took quite a long time to finish it. And you've already appeared in uh, Nargopod and a couple of other medias, I see. So yes. how has the response been from your perspective? It seems there's a bit of interest, interest out there. Yes, I mean, it's been much, much better than I ever could have imagined. When I started filming, I thought that this film would be maybe 15 minutes uh, on YouTube. Uh, maybe something that I just, you know, did on my own. I've never, I've, I've never educated myself within film before. I mean, obviously, I had my journalism education, but but not really with film. So that everything snowballed into the Swedish television picking it up. It's also been screened at Vaden uh, Skang in Norway. Uh, that is like a streaming service of the big newspaper of Norway. And we've had a small uh, cinema run where it's been screened in, I think, four or five different cities in Sweden. Uh, I mean, it's it's uh, for me, I would, if you told me that even two years ago, I would not believe you. Um, <laughs> so I'm very, I'm very happy and fortunate about that. But the most important for me in regards of this film is the the amount of people that actually take the time to write to me personally and because they share a similar experience with their mother or father or 
or grandparents. It's been so many people that just like writes to me on Instagram or Facebook, or I even got a, a like a, a handwritten letter in the in the mailbox, which is it's been really overwhelming for this small, doc, low budget documentary. I mean, it's it's uh, it's really really nice. It should be noted that, as far as I know, this film is not at the moment publicly available with English subtitles. But uh, yeah, you can watch it on the SVT uh, webpage. If if you understand Swedish, then you can go ahead with that. But is there any plans on any wider publication? Uh, I don't know right now, to be honest. Uh, mm. You'd have to ask my producer. Um, right now, I've been focusing on doing a... So since the film takes up like quite hard um, subjects, somatics, uh, like mental health issues and alcoholism and depression and la 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 la, um, I've been focusing on trying to reach uh, young people with the film. So I'm right now currently doing like a school tour with some funding for screening it at uh, high schools, gymnasiums in, in Sweden, nice. in the south of Sweden. That's been my main focus, rather than than uh, getting it internationally. I mean, it's 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 a, it's a small film in a way. It's a very Swedish film. It's a format that's a little bit weird for documentary. It's one hour, so it's not like really a feature length. Uh, and so we've had a little bit of like it hasn't been easy to get it out at festivals and. Uh, internationally, I don't know. I think maybe the length is is one of the reasons, and also because it's a very classical documentary. It's very much, um, yeah. Right. Before we get to maybe to the meat and potatoes here, I just want to ask about the mm. whole funding process a little bit more. So, how how did this get picked up? So this was essentially some kind of a YouTube video idea at first, but then it got picked up by SVT. Well, I didn't have a really an idea of what it would be at the start. I was just very, uh, at that time, I was very lost. Um, and I had started filming a documentary about ghost hunters in Sweden. But I was like, I had this exhaustion, depression. And so I just said, I have to quit everything and go to my father and, and do this because, yeah. And someone said, okay, but you should film that. That sounds interesting. And, and so I did. I didn't really think about what, what it would be. Mm. And, and then when I came home, I thought, and I had like 60 hours of footage, uh, in the autumn of 2019, I thought maybe, okay, so I, I'll, I'll try to do something, maybe YouTube, you know. But first I applied for money from the, Malmö stad where I live so the municipality of Malmö mm -hmm. like a culture uh, culture funding thing small thing for young people and I got a little bit of money from that and then most of all I got more self um, I started believing in myself a little bit so mm -hmm. I applied for more money from the regional film fund in Sweden and they gave me some development money and then I emailed a woman at uh, SVT and and she became interested and so they gave me a little bit of development money but basically all of this i think would never have happened if i hadn't gotten in, in touch with a swedish film editor called Osa Mosby who really took me under her wings and uh, saw something in the material and said okay so uh, i i will try to help you and i think just her 
help and her like uh, saying that she would be a, a dramaturgist on this project made people feel like okay this can actually become something and so after that we got the like the final yes to to make the film and all the the money we needed to finish it looks like we have our first shout out of the evening out of the way <laughs> so yeah. uh, but so yeah you you mentioned that this is a very swedish documentary right and mm-hmm. from this i guess we could segue to the discussion about the similarities of finnish and swedish conservatism and the mindset uh, towards opening up etc mm. Henrik, did mm. you get that vibe as well that yeah we've seen this before in the spirit of Finns. Mm. Uh, kind of and kind of no. <clears throat> like what what you say about the the Finnish conservative nature that most definitely is true and and holds holds water. And you can see that, of course, talking about the the film deals with with alcoholism and self destructive mm. behavior patterns. So naturally, of course. The process of opening up about those things, it is going to be hard, it's going to be challenging. Mm-hmm. But I kind of got the feeling at the end of the film that it was easier for for you, Niklas, and your dad, perhaps even to Swedes, to, to open up about these things and actually have these heart-to-heart discussions. Because in fin- Finland, they are difficult as all hell mm. <laughs> like simply the the act of of telling your father that you actually love him it's mm. almost almost impossible for a Finn <laughs> to pull off <laughs> we have been trying to learn how to do that for the past five years and we are t- still failing <laughs> I'm sorry to hear <laughs> from my end you you partly already answered this one Nicholas are, are you You told us how the outside world has reacted to your film. The the mails and the contacts that you get from people who have seen your movie and mm. who who feel that it's an important film for them and an important tool for them to have this discussion with their own dads. But in the film you you talk about your relationship with those close to you. And I would like to ask that after the release of the film, has the way how people around you, the closed ones, has it somehow changed? That's a very good question. I I don't think so. I the first time I screened it to a crowd, we had a small like a sneak preview at the film school where I went, and I had. I had lived there for for six months, and I knew the people at the school who were a hundred, a little more than a hundred students. But they they didn't. I mean, they weren't my you know my closest friends or my oldest friends. And in that setting, the film it had very much of an impact because it's so it's so um, honest, it's so open, it's so bare in a way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm I. Someone told me that. It's funny how that you're naked in your film, but that's not the most revealing thing uh, <laughs> in it. Uh, in a way that 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 I open up to more stuff, and and that of course had a, an impact on like my my relationships with the students, but not in any other way than that they 
that we became closer, sort of. And my my old friends, my dear friends, I cannot say, I haven't noticed at least that they uh, act towards me in a different way. But it's an interesting question. So would you say that you got closer to your father? And, and I'm assuming that was very much your goal as well in and part and parcel of in making mm. of this film. Did you get to know your father better, do you feel? Oh, yes, much, much better. I mean, we've always had, like I said, I mean, I moved with him to the Caribbean. I, I grew up mm. with my mother mostly, but I moved with him to the Caribbean when when I was 17. So, and, and I went back when I was 20. So obviously we had a some kind of a connection. But this that I talk in the film that I that I long for and that you're also talking about, Henrik, the, this just opening up and talking about your feelings with your father and 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 feeling that they are acknowledged in a way uh your inner life uh this i i somehow uh missed and yearned for and after that summer i mean my father started opening up on his own accord and he started talking to me and uh and telling me about stuff that he'd never told me about before and and for that i think i mean i think it is because i just i didn't give up in asking those questions during the summer when when we also filmed this documentary and so that's uh, now when i go around to schools and i talk about the film that's my uh, kind of my takeaway that it's 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 uh, can i curse yeah <laughs> in this podcast yeah, sure. it's course. really fu- it's really fucking difficult to talk about your emotions and your feelings mm. uh especially if you don't have a language for it but if you do it it it, it might hurt but it gets mm. better and yeah. that's my that's my takeaway uh and that's basically what i want to to say with the film or one of the things to to kind of lean into that or, or to have, have a kind of a like you said Nicholas a sneaky question surrounding the subject <laughs> okay. matter so yeah. seeing how personal this film gets and seeing how how deep it goes it talks a lot about deep emotional pain and hurt and where that pain leads you was it difficult to get your dad on board with this project seeing how he well comes off as as a feel as a person who does not naturally wanna be in the spotlight in in a way that would show weakness and in here mm. well weakness is very much what's on 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 the front so how did you manage to get your dad agree to be on the film and did the production process somehow strain the relationship you had with your dad oh, it's an interesting question first of all i'd like to just uh, uh assess the the term weakness because in this context i would much rather use the the term um, vulnerable because yeah, i don't yeah. i i don't believe it's a weakness to be vulnerable rather the contrary um, no, it was but, a, it was a but, bad term from my end. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, uh, but that's totally fine. No, don't don't apologize. I mean, but I my father didn't like he didn't really think that this would amount to much. This filming, he understood it that it was important for me that I did it, and and he was sort of okay with it. Uh, sometimes the camera got in the way of 
what we were supposed to do or maybe it took more time to do stuff because i had to set up a camera as well at some points and and that annoyed him but mm -hmm. i think he is also a, a person that really wants to be in the spotlight uh with other stuff and he loves to uh, in sweden we have this expression where you say spela apa uh, play the monkey like be a jester joke around and mm. and uh i think it's also quite apparent in the film there's a scene where he is really annoying me i want to go to bed he's drunk and he's dancing to music and then to i i mean i'm obviously super annoyed at him looking him in the eyes and the first thing he does is just take out his his um, fake teeth and and uh, mime to the music and i i mean he that's very much his uh, his way of expressing himself and and having a camera filming that was also very fun at some points for him and we still joke about it and 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 stuff but the process i didn't know at the start that this film would be so so vulnerable and so tough uh, emotionally so it was not really something that we thought about at the start, neither him nor I. But I mean, of course, it's been it's it, this film. It's 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 my life. It's four years of my life where I went from being really depressed and and in a bad spot, like misusing alcohol and 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 ruining relationships and. And then during those four years, I got my life together and now I know exactly what I want to do with my life. And I have a purpose and I have a better relationship with my father and I have a better relationship with myself. So, of course, that journey has been extremely hard for me, but it's also been maybe one of the, well, maybe the best thing I've ever done. Excuse me for getting into the bad reporter side of things by mm. doing the transition into the into the question that starts like so you're saying but i'm gonna start it <laughs> like that anyway so you're yeah. saying that everybody should make a documentary about their family relations to improve them <laughs> yeah maybe maybe actually like why not um it's uh okay so the camera gives you a reason to ask yeah questions that you would never have the guts to ask otherwise or yeah. um or never feel like you could or should so there's this i i studied psychology right and i didn't learn much i i after two and a half years i quit to start making film but one of the things that i did learn is that there's this idea in psychology that uh, within a certain branch of it's called phenomenology where they say that okay so we don't really know anything about the human brain but basically if someone gets to talk to someone that listens and listens sincerely with intent something happens in the person that gets listened to like the person that gets to talk we don't really know what it is but it looks like they feel better mm. and and i think making a documentary is very much about talking and listening and 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 that's one way to get to that point and it's maybe a front to get to like a sneaky way uh if you would call it that but but um yeah that's uh yeah that's exactly uh, that's so amazing about when you're doing interviews uh, for example in this in this podcast you just get to talk to people that you would never get to talk to otherwise and you mm. can get to get quite 
deep into conversations like like I guess we do here. So yeah, that's amazing. Or or finding out out new and exciting things from your grandma's past that you could never ask, but now you have a reason for it because you have a recorder, a mic. <laughs> so exactly. Yeah, but anyway, exactly. so you said that your relationship is quite improved now with with your father or improved mm. but yeah in the film it struck me like you said you have this scene where he's playing with the fake teeth and dancing to the music and you wanted to sleep but couldn't sleep so well that night that kind of things that kind of apathetic uh, behavior do you think it's um, because of the booze or there's something else to it as well Oh, I definitely think that there's something else to it. Um, I mean, so one of the one of the key questions in in the film for me is is when I ask my father what what I should do to not keep on running away from life the way he does, mm. um, and 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 it's a question that I still don't have an answer to, and I and and I. And I still feel that both my father and I have this urge to go somewhere else in 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 a broad sense but but i mean in in every situation it's a, it's a kind of a restlessness, and I feel that that is something that a lot of people also can can relate to in a way uh never really being content and always trying to figure out a new perspective. I think that is part of the adventureness, uh, adventurenessness, adventure, uh, adventurability, adventure. I don't know what the word is, but basically, my <laughs> father's need for adventure, need for stim stimulation, in a way. And I think that the alcohol. I mean, if he was sober in that situation, he probably, maybe he would take his teeth out, but he would probably be more aware of my needs in that situation where I was tired and angry and and maybe he wouldn't be up in my face the same way. But he would probably still feel that okay, so let's let's do something fun. Let's uh, figure something out. Let's uh, turn this situation into something that's more than the mundane. And and that's a part of my father's personality that that I think mm -hmm. uh maybe sometimes is fueled by alcohol. But a lot of the time isn't, um, if that makes sense. This question may be a little bit antiquated and, and silly and simplified, but it's asked so many in this, many times in this context, that do you feel that that's running away from something when you go to the Caribbean? Uh, yes, I, I think for me, the first time it wasn't, the first time I went there, Because it was the first time I, I got to live with my father uh, for a longer amount of time, and it was such a big adventure. And um, but that it's always running away and running to. It's such a fine line in between, and sometimes you're doing both at the same time. I feel like the when we met ten years ago, hmm. a lot of that was just running away from something. I di I didn't hmm. know what to do with myself. I didn't know. The only role models I had was my father, who'd been around the world seven times or whatever, and and uh, you know the classic uh, male uh, Hemingway, Kerouac, and um, uh, you know the adventure guys, and and so that's what that was what I was comparing myself to. Um, 
So I thought that maybe I had to do that sort of crazy stuff. But, but I think also it was just running away from dealing with what, what I had inside. Yeah. Something that might blow your mind a little bit. In the last episode that we just recorded a couple of days ago, we had Pat Smith on. <laughs> Do you oh, remember? really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's uh, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I haven't thought about him in a long time. <laughs> what is I? I can ask you about Pat later. I'm super curious. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah. I guess this might be repeating myself a little bit, but. To put it a little bit different way, do you feel that this documentary allowed you to compartmentalize your thoughts to reach some kind of a solace towards your dad? Is this documentary the thing you were looking for or something different, good or bad? No, I think it's 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 really weird, but I think it, it, it is more or less what I needed or what I was looking for. I mean, I was still after that summer where we built this camper van together and we filmed the film i was just i was really angry with him uh for being drunk all the time and um and just through the process of editing everything and seeing myself from the outside and hearing his answers to my questions again or non answers or whatever uh something happened in me so it's it's uh, it was just exactly what i needed to to go Yeah, to leave it behind in a way and, and to be able to go on. Yeah. After watching the film, I was still kind of processing it. Like, where do you want to go with this? Or is it is it more like a camera that is observing? Or is it something that you really, really wanted to capture and say with this film? I, I think as you have shown it in, in schools, etc., this should be helpful for them to cope with similar situations so there's definitely that factor yeah i mean i hope so i did it it was very clear uh in early on in the editing process that i wanted to make the film that i never got to see when i was 16 um i wanted to because i mean i don't know how it is in finland but in sweden 20% of kids uh at some point in their Uh, young life they have a parent that is drinking too much mm-hmm. uh or has an alcohol problem that's that's quite a lot of people that's one out of five people and i mean i was approached recently by an old classmate of mine that i went to high school with and we were even quite close uh and and she uh, she just texted me after seeing this film we haven't talked in 14 years or something and and she said that she had had a similar experience uh with her parent and i mean we never talked about this everyone especially in that age when you're 17 or a teenager you you think that you're the only one experiencing this thing and For me, it was just very much important to make a film that you could relate to in that situation, that you could start opening up about your own family with or compare to. And then also it was very important for me to to make a, that the portrait of my father is nuanced because the relationship, as it often is, not always, of course, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, but oftenly with a parent that is drinking or has um, a different kind of issue, There's also a lot of love 
which makes i mean that makes it hard to to set up the boundaries when you are not treated the way you think you're supposed to be treated or and that was also just very important for me to just to just show that and make it like a a mirror for people to reflect themselves in that's what i tried to do and then i mean if it works or not then that's someone else's decision but but that's what i wanted to do and then obviously of course i mean i feel strongly for talking about stuff and sharing your trauma or or whatever it is and and so that's also a strong point in the film Henrik, how did you take the or how what were your feelings after the documentary ended um i got a quite the emotional turnaround mm. during the 61 minutes that this the documentary takes like i i of course before i i pressed play for the first time i had had done and go, gone and checked out the the trailer so i knew kind of what the theme is going to be and well seeing how how paternal alcoholism is kind extremely typical also in finland it was mm. well i was perhaps a bit dickish with with my initial going to the film point of view because mm-hmm. i was kind of like okay we get a documentary about dad who drinks and the possibility mm. that that behavior pattern can be inherited by the child I was kind of like okay yeah this is the finished story like every <laughs> second song that we make is about the exact same bloody topic so i was kind of like okay yeah yeah gonna see some of this and as the film went on it really did have a gut-wrenching impact on me uh i i I have to confess i was i was crying my eyes out me too (laughs) during the final the final scene the ending is is so bloody bittersweet and and brutal in its bittersweetness that It just it, it completely won me over during its sixty-one oh, minutes. Nice, nice. That's uh, very kind words. I'm very um, <laughs> uh, yeah. but but as you say, I mean that it is it is a topic that is very that is very common, and I'm I'm very happy that you that you share this uh, this uh, like yeah yeah we've seen it before uh, feeling at the start because I think. I think a lot of people, even I, sometimes feel that way towards this film. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I, um, yeah, I don't. Thank you. Very super, super kind words. I mean, I, I this film is of course so emotional for me personally. I cry uh, every single time I see it, and I've seen it now probably thirty times because I'm I'm touring with showing it to to high school kids. But I still cry and and. Right. Uh and for me it's just I'm just very happy to hear that 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 feeling is shared also. I mean, um that it it strikes something a chord with other people as well. It it's, means a lot. Yeah, there's something about the both of you come off very natural in in front of the camera and probably one of the reasons is that you had hours of material there and then just collected the best bits Uh, we had about 60 hours of footage, um, so so uh, it wasn't that much, but still, I mean, it's 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 a fair amount. 
for the most part, I did the filming myself. So I set up the camera on a, on a, on a tripod and then we, and, and since we, there were no other people around and it was just us and we, I mean, pretty quickly we got used to the camera and, and I think that's, uh, what, what gives this, uh, natural feeling or fly on the wall or feeling of the film. I'm going to ambush our guest again with, with these things because I didn't share them with Nicholas. But the idea is that we have this kind of a quote-unquote rapid-fire questions at the end, which happen to be very slow. Anyways, but mm. so, so Henrik, you really know you're watching Jävla Pappa when dot dot dot. When the favorite Finnish pastime turns into a harrowing self-examination of your own toxic masculinity and tendencies of self-harm, which, to be honest, is all Finnish pastimes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you really know you're, what, you're watching Jävla Pappa when you spend six months filming with your dad, and as you drive off, you forget your DSLR at his porch. <laughs> yeah, couldn't come up with anything better than that. <laughs> And I know that I'm watching Yavla Papa when I bawl my eyes out at the end. And maybe that's not a fun quickie, but uh, that's that's uh, that's my cue for for that. <laughs> Henrik, combination question: Did you like Goddamn Dad? And would you recommend Goddamn Dad? Um, like, like I already said, this is a film that won me over as it went on. And as an end result, I absolutely did love the film. And I most definitely, I am recommending Jävla Papa to those who has the ability to see it. Which, of course, then comes with the caveat, since we are an international podcast, who exactly has the opportunity to see it? <laughs> Seeing how, at the moment that this episode is being recorded and airs, the film still very much circulates on in in Sweden and on SVT, which is something that you know our international listeners mo- might not be able to you know, get around to. So on that regard, I also think, like since since Niklas said that it's about his producers, how you know the film goes or how it continues from here. But yeah, I I do think that. This is a film that should get into international festival circuit, most definitely, and it should be pushed outside of Nordic countries also, and, well, in, into Europe altogether. And in that case, you know, if if, if that comes to light, if, if that happens to manifest, you happen to be on, on any of the film festivals and Javala Papa is on, on the program. I do definitely recommend that you then go and check it out. All right. Yeah, wow, that's really, really kind words, Henrik. Thank you. Did I like the film? Would I recommend the film? The answer to both is yes. There's some aspects about the, the film that really resonate with me also on a personal level. I haven't exactly had the alcohol type of issues in my family, but I've seen a a lot of that alcohol abuse and know kind of roughly where it can can lead to as well. So I definitely, you know, got emotional by the by the end of the film. I think it was really well, well cut and 
appeared to be really well organized, all the shots and the construction. Probably better than you would normally expect from, from this type of filmmaking. But yeah, definitely go see Yavlapapi yeah, if you have the opportunity. And of course, maybe we should market this episode now to the Swedish audiences as they have the special language and streaming access to that. But seems to be uh, streamable outside of Sweden as well. So, yeah. No, I've, I'm just. I have to. I have to uh, divide uh, um, the attention to somewhere else because I'm too flattered by by everything you guys uh, say. It's it's really it's really really sweet, and I'm really happy that I got the chance to to be here uh, on the podcast and talk about the film. Uh, it's 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 really interesting because as I told you before we started recording, I think I'm I'm now at the house where the film was uh, shot, right. and I've just like so the the car the camper van I had to sell because I got too many uh, tickets for it. Because, Ooh. So uh, it was like a financial thing, but now I'm here and I've sort of just decided to buy a boat. That's on the grounds where my father. So maybe this spring, like the, the Yavla Papa Two, will emerge. I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna film it. I've, I've made that film and it got it, it did what it had to do. But uh, but it just it makes me very nostalgic, or maybe not nostalgic is the right word. But but um, it's very interesting to think back uh, for me uh, and all through the process of this film. It took. I mean, it took four years to to finish from start to to the actual premiere. So it's um, uh, thank you for that. <laughs> it's right. Really so what happened uh, was the Swedish traffic laws or or some laws too uh, restrictive, so that they didn't accept the interior of the car or. No, no, that was totally fine. It was just the, because it's so big, I couldn't get a like a residence uh, parking permit, uh, which is uh. cheaper. So instead, I would like drive around and put it on different free parking spots in Malmo where I lived. But uh, they clean the streets two days every month, uh, and if the car is there at that time, you get a fine. And uh, then one time I parked it like nine meters from the uh, crossway instead of ten that like you're supposed to, and so I got a fine. And and then the battery died and I couldn't move it, so I got a couple of fines because it stood while they needed to clean. And after a while, it was just like, okay, so what am I doing with this car? Why? And in a way, I think it also related to the film. Why am I? Why am I keeping on to this thing that doesn't give me anything but trouble? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so did you manage to have any adventures with that van? I did uh, a little bit, but only in Sweden. So uh -huh. I went camping uh, a little bit in the south of Sweden and I drove around and, and I went to a couple of forests. and, and uh, oh, okay. Um, so I did have some adventures, but never never outside of Sweden. Right. Um, and and it's it also really bugged me because the car i mean you never see the car finished in the film and it was a choice i did while filming because i i it, oh, i mean really? the car is is uh it's it's a metaphor for our relationship uh, mm. of course i mean it's it's corny but and i didn't want to show it being finished because 
a relationship is never finished, right? Smart. Um, but I'm, I've just like, I've really gre regretted that decision because I never filmed it finished. So I don't have the pictures of it being, you know, done and looking nice. And, 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 uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it could have been in the film, but, ah, yeah. Right. So is there any additional shout outs you want to mention or? Do you want to tell us something about your team regarding this documentary before we go? Yeah, I mean, this film obviously I had no I had no experience and no education. This film would not have been what it is without the people that I now mm. know and love that made it with me. The editor Christopher Elfström, uh, who's just the most fantastic uh, editor and human being. Um, Uh, Ronald Hoy, who made the music, and he is also just a fantastic, fantastic professional composer to work with, uh, and a dear friend of mine now after this process, Shastin Ubelacker, who produced the film, and then, I mean, just, ugh, there's so many people, I can't really, I can't go through them all, uh, but I'm just so grateful for everything I I could do a special shout out to Andreas Tan because he shot some footage that we used when I was 16 so a long 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 time ago and I forgot to put him in the first credits and I feel really bad about it so now I'm giving him a special he's the coolest guy and a very close friend and a very uh, an interesting filmmaker he's He's made a short film. It's also Swedish, unfortunately, uh, but he's made a short film that's on YouTube. That's called Om Fåglars i vägflygningar, uh, which I highly recommend. It's a very interesting uh, film about also dealing with trauma. So uh, that's that's. I'm I'm gonna cut it there and and then just say uh, thanks a lot for having me and uh, and thank you for the, for the. For the kind words and for our pleasure it was just a, yeah it was a, a very nice trip down memory lane to talk with you again <laughs> before we go is there something that can be expected from you in the future if not Yevla Papa too but any up upcoming <laughs> projects and where can people find you mm, well I'm I'm found on Instagram um, Niklas Gilberg uh, Ivarsson um, Mm -hmm. And I am I am working on projects right now. I am again looking at the material of uh, about the ghost hunters uh, in this rural town of Sweden. I am also writing a few uh, fiction short film projects. But as with film, I mean, it's it's uh, you never know what is going to get picked up and and what is going to get finished. But Hopefully, I can I can uh, tell you more about about it in a few months. Cool. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Anything from you, Henrik? From my end, also thank you very much, Nicholas, for allowing us a moment of your time um, uh, amongst your schedule, and I hope all the best for you in in the coming projects. And all the best for your papa as well. <laughs> yes, him as thank well. And kind of as a closing thoughts, the the trip at Gibraltar and, and around Europe that I did, you did, for me it was mm. kind of tough time in my life as well. And I had just mm. 
had a got a bitter breakup and uh, <laughs> i guess i was i don't know looking for myself but it was certainly a certain kind of period <laughs> in my life mm. and yeah i just wasn't very sure of myself at the time and uh, i was highly introverted at at the time and when you just came to to me there to so so openly discuss and suggest that hey do you want to see you again tomorrow and kind of this really easygoing attitude and your yeah it was really kind of you so i really appreciate your kindness on that trip oh Kari, i'm, I'm uh, my eyes are tearing up a little bit thank you for thank you for saying that that means yeah so much uh, to hear i i i'm i'm really really glad you felt that way and thank you for opening up about it uh, thank yeah. you wow super super nice and everyone please go talk to each other your mother and father and your family and extended family to understand yourselves better go see Apple Papa yeah. and Nicholas thank you for joining us no thank you and and that's exactly what I'm gonna do now I'm gonna go down and talk to my my <laughs> Apple Papa and, uh, and have some dinner um, and uh and he also says gives his blessings or sends his regards uh, thank you so much super kind actually Carly, you carry on the next question still i don't have a clear segue to to what i have in mind okay oh but i'm really curious now what's uh what's uh if it's not a clear segue maybe we can do like a quick jump to something completely different uh <laughs> just like bounce at me boo 